Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. here this evening we have uh, we, we missed last Tuesday night and uh, so we're picking up our lesson tonight lesson number two in the series this month on I love my church I love can you say that with me I love my church praise God last time we talked Lesson number one, we are family. I love my church because we're family. Tonight I want to teach on I love my church because we are community. We are community. Amen. The book of Romans chapter 12 and verse 16, 17 and 18. Be of the same mind one to one another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Live peaceably. Live harmoniously. Get along. I think that's one thing that when we consider the church being a community is that we are to have all things common in unity. Common in unity. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the church. Lord, this is the church that you, Lord, have have purchased with your own blood. We thank you, Lord, today for this local assembly, for MPC in particular. Lord, we are part of a body globally and universally, but we thank you, Lord, for our assembly that is meant to be planted in our particular garden and to produce, Lord Jesus, fruit, to multiply, God, to replenish and to go forth with uh, authority and lead, dear God, with order and to have dominion. And we're going to give you praise today for your blessings and thank you, God, for a church that is a community. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. Amen. I love my church. We are community. The Lord bless you. Be seated. You know, some people treat church like a spectator sport. They attend like a ball game. They cheer if their team is winning. They boo if it's losing. They're not engaged on the field. They're not invested in practice. They're not invested in preparation. They show up, get their religious fix, and go home. What some call their church looks nothing like what God wants his church to be. You and I were made to be more than just pew sitters. We're made to be more than just simply attendees, but we were made to engage in community. We were made to serve one another. 
We are made to be a problem-solving people. God's given you gifts and given us gifts that we can help solve problems for others. We can solve problems. That doesn't mean that we go around getting our nose into everybody's business. We'll talk about that more later. Y'all ready? But a church that is a community understands it's more than just sitting in the stands more than just looking at the game, but it is being engaged. It is being a part of it. Uh, amen. So, so we want to be a part of a church that is community. Community. When you consider the fact that we are a community, then we have to put up with all kinds of different people. We have different people in our pews. We have people who are aggressive that are among us. We have people that are passive among us. Now, y'all can point fingers or, or think of somebody that you know of right now if you want, but uh, let's, 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 let's not point. Uh, how about that? We have passive people. We've got giving people. We've got stingy people. We've got stubborn people. We've got kind people. Amen. We all deal with people everywhere and even in the church. There are people who help and there are people who hinder there are people who are optimistic that you are dealing with and people that are pessimistic. There are people that are loyal and there are some that are uh, uh, unreliable. You have to deal with people who are yes and people who are no. You have to have to deal with some who are encouragers and some who are complainers. You have to be, deal with introverts and extroverts. You've got to deal with lions and you've got to deal with golden retrievers and you've got to deal with us otters and you've got to deal with, uh, uh, what's the other, the beaver. You've got to deal with all kinds of personality. Groucho Marx said, I wouldn't want to belong to any club that would accept me as a member. You must have a pretty bad idea of yourself if you feel that way, Mr. Marks. Amen. But I want to be like the saying is, if every church member was just like me, what kind of church would this church be? Church is a community. It is a place where we want everybody to belong. We want everybody to have a place. Not everybody has the same place. But everybody should have a place. There are some things that, that uh, uh, you can only get in community of church. You can't get it anywhere else. It's just in the community of the church. There is a temptation to celebrate ourselves as being self-made, that we did it all by ourselves. But I want you to know I, I can't do it by myself. We are a part of community. We are a part of uh, uh, that First that Peter 2 and 5 says that we are lively stones built up a spiritual house. Amen. As the people of God, it's important that we function in community. Every part of the body fulfills a function and a purpose. Everyone is needed. When you're not a part of the community, you're missing out on something that is indispensable, something that you can't get any other way. We understand that we taught last time the church is family. We're family because we're related. The church is community, and community is how we interact within that family relationship. When I begin to think of the word community, I think about common unity. I think about 
co-being together. We are together and we are all for each other. That's why I love my church. I'm a part of a group of people that are all for each other. Amen. We are a part of a church that deals with relationships. Sometimes things are smooth. Sometimes things are difficult. But we're all part of the relationship. We preached about this recently, but Matthew 22 and verse 36, they come to Jesus and said, What is the great commandment of the law? Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What is he saying? Everything that God does in the law and the prophets is hinging upon relationship. Everything in the kingdom hinges on relationship. One is your relationship with God. Two is your relationship with your fellow man. Amen. And when you begin to look at Jesus and you begin to look at what he came to do, he came to change the world one relationship at a time. Think about that. When you look at Jesus, matter of fact, Jesus was not very impressed with, with, with crowds. You find him running from crowds. One particular time, he, 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 he got so tired of crowds and he said to a group of people, he said, if you want to be my disciple, you got to eat me. And there were some folks there that didn't know what to do with that, so they left. Dropped down from a big massive crowd to 70 and then he kept on preaching and then all the 70 left but his disciples and he looked at them and said, will you leave me too? Will you leave me too? Jesus changed the world with 12 people he had a relationship with. And that is why it is so important that we understand the value of community is that right here in this building tonight is a group of people that can change your world, but you're not going to change it by yourself. You're not going to change it on your own. How many of you read the article in the paper about Pastor Timothy's vision that he's casting and he's looking for? You know what? To me, it's so exciting. I'm thrilled and I'm looking forward to seeing what God can do. But it's not going to happen by him doing it all by himself. But rather it can be those that are say, I'm in a relationship because we are in community. Therefore, we will change the world together. Amen. Jesus intentionally developed a powerful relationship with his disciples and taught them community, trained them in community, equipped them in conversation and relationship. So keeping an understanding of community, and I, I'm probably going to break this lesson into two parts, and, and, and I realize, uh, uh, Sister Hannah, looking at all those scriptures, you're probably... Uh, really glad because I got like this long list of scriptures, bless her heart. But let's talk about for a moment, where do we start when it comes to be responsible in community? Who's responsible for relationships? Who's responsible? Somebody say, I am. I am. Community begins with self-examination. How you see yourself will determine how you see others in community. 
Romans 14 and 12. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Amen. We look at people through the lens of our own perspective and our own personality. We see people by things that we have experienced. We tend to see people through our beliefs and through our uh, identity and through our understandings and our concepts. So how you view yourself will determine how you relate to your neighbor. It'll determine how you relate to your brother and sister in the house of God. If you're an addict to drama, you will see everybody as a drama addict. If you're quick to cover up with little white lies, you perhaps will see others through the same lens. But the Bible says, Jesus said in that second commandment, he says, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If you don't understand yourself and you don't have a clue about who you are and there isn't a basis of humility within your heart, then you begin to see people as you are. If you don't like yourself, chances are you're not going to like other folks. People who are trustworthy, tend to see other people as trustworthy. People who are liars see others as liars. A person who cares will see others through the lens of compassion. A person who is critical, negative, and constantly sour will believe that everybody else is just like them. The only way to change how you view life and how you view others is to change yourself. John Maxwell said, I may not be able to change the world I see around me, but I can change what I see within me. Community is dependent upon every one of us having a relationship with God and understanding who we are and knowing who we are by God's grace. If you feel good about who you are in God, not being proud, not being arrogant, but being humble, amen, but know who you are in God, then chances are you're going to get along with one another. You're going to be able to get with everybody. There will be a, an essence of community. I am responsible for me when it comes to community. I am responsible for me and how I treat you. I cannot choose how you treat me, but I can choose how I treat you. If I can build and grow a relationship with God, then I have a better chance at growing a relationship with my fellow man. Let's pick up a scripture that is often uh, perhaps misjudged, if I may say it that way. Matthew 7 and 2. For what judgment ye judged, ye shall be judged, and what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. How you judge yourself is the blueprint of how you will judge others. If you're angry all the time, you will tend to judge others by that same anger. Paul said like this in, in, in reference to communion, reference to taking of the Lord's table. He said, let a man examine himself. Let him, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. But he's got to examine himself first. 
He said in, in, in 2 Corinthians, he told us, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves that Jesus Christ is in you except you be reprobates. I believe that the, that the, the, the strength of community is dependent upon the strength of the individual church member. The strength of MPC, and this is a strong church, celebrating 105 years. This is a strong church with great people, and that is the key to community. Our community is no better than our individual relationships that we have with God. Examine yourself. Somebody say, examine yourself. If I want to live in community, I have to be first, number one, an examiner of myself. Galatians 6 and 1, that great scripture about restoring others. Look at it. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou be tempted. Considering thyself. Amen. So when it comes to community, there's going to be times that we deal with things that we have to judge within community. And I've taught on this somewhat before, but I want to measure, I want to carry it again in a measure, teach it again to you in a measure. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. Somebody say, I know that's right. For what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but consider not the beam that is in thy own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote of thine eye, and behold, the beam is in thy own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. How many of you have ever heard, it's wrong to judge people? I didn't ask how many of you said it. <laughs> you have no right to judge me. First of all, I want you to look at this in the context of what Jesus said. He said, if thy brother, if thy brother, if you read what Paul said, Paul said, leave the world alone. Don't you judge the world. He said, but in relationship in the church, there are times that we have to, in community, deal with judging, deal with discerning. Okay? How are we going to do that? Amen. Many people see this verse and argue that a person should never judge anyone else. They refute any type of examination upon them personally that brings something to light that they want to keep hidden. They want to avoid from hearing the truth about their own condition. They will say, who are you to say what is wrong with me? Judging and being judged is, and being judgmental is not the same. Judging and being judgmental are not the same. Look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 37. Judge not that ye shall not be judged. Condemn not and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive and ye shall be forgiven. 
given. One commentator put it like this. The form of speech we find in Luke's version is called a Hebrew poetic parallelism. Generally, it is such a, a, a poetic structure that the B part of the verse amplifies and further clarifies the A part of the verse. In this passage, the parallel features of judgment, condemnation, and unforgiveness and are so initially connected as to become synonymous. Therefore, Luke helped clarify the kind of judging Jesus forbade in Matthew was condemning, unforgiving, and judgmental. Did you get that? Luke qualifies the kind of judging that Jesus condemned. Amen. We do not pass judgment uh, because we know we will be judged. We do not condemn because we know that we will be condemned, but rather we want to be passing judgment by mercy, by grace, by discerning to help. Amen. Hypocrites love to feel superior to others and they become such experts in judging. You ever met those? They go to another church. They don't go here. But you ever met those that are experts in judging? They are destructive to community. Romans chapter 2, Paul addresses such a person when he says in verse 1, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest dost the same thing. How dangerous is it that we become judgmental, so drastically judgmental that we overlook our own issues? Amen. Don't use your holiness standards to judge another. The moment you begin to use your holiness standard to judge another, and I'm not talking about sin, I'm talking about preferences, and I'm talking about things like this, uh, then all of a sudden we step into a whole different parameter of judging, a whole different parameter of judging. Amen. Many times the most vociferous voice of judgment is often the person that wants to deflect from their own guilt. Let me say that again. Many times the most vociferous voice of judgment, the person that points the finger at everybody else and says, wrong, 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 wrong. Right. <laughs> it's real easy to divert the sin to the sin of somebody else rather than dealing with the sin in our own life. It's hard. It is hard, even impossible, to genuinely ask for mercy and not want to pass mercy on to others. You find somebody that's had a hard life. You find somebody that's been through a mess. You find somebody that's gone through the ringer and they have sought the mercy of God and the grace of God. Chances are you're going to find somebody that's quick to give mercy to others. Amen. I've watched over the years those who are such hardliners, really difficult hardliners, and something happens in their family to crush them. Something happens in their family that brings them to humility, to the point of they're crushed. And then all of a sudden they become very compassionate and very merciful. What is, what is that? Is it two-faced? Is it being hypocritical? No, it's that they've come to understand that mercy is a premium that they need. They're Therefore, they want to pass it on to others. 
people who need mercy tend to want to give mercy. How many of you in this building need mercy today? How many of us need mercy today? I need mercy. Then I want to be quick to pass it on. But let me just stop and tell you something Bishop taught me. You can't give mercy to somebody that doesn't want it. That's a whole other message. James chapter 2 and verse 13 says, For he shall have judgment without mercy that showeth no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Interesting. Mercy, what is it saying? Triumphs judgment. Mercy triumphs. Bless God. Look how bad they are. Look how awful they are. Look at what that sister is doing. Look what she's wearing. Look what he's doing. Look how they're doing. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Why? You want to give mercy. Mercy will change you, and it will help change the other person. All right. I want to ask you today, would you rather be judged or have mercy? I want to err on the side of mercy. I'd rather err on the side of mercy as a pastor any day than err on the side of being judgmental. Now, I know that there's times that you have to judge, but there are reasons and ways to properly judge. Amen. And that, let's look at that. Modern culture has perpetrated a lie that is for the pits of hell, and that is judgment is impossible. You're not going to judge anybody anytime. Look at Luke chapter 17 and verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. There it is again. Somebody said it starts with me. Examine myself. Take heed to yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass again thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. What is he saying? Mercy triumphs judgment every time. Mercy. How can they put up with that? How can they stand that? Because that person understands that mercy is the, the most important thing. People say that, you know, we should be like Jesus. Well, several times Jesus passed judgment on sinners. But in each time you will find that it had a specific purpose and that was to bring them to mercy. The only way to be to be biblical and to judge someone in community is through the filter of mercy and love. If I'm going to judge, it must be followed up with giving myself to see that person saved and changed, not just sit back and fold my arms and judge them for what they are. I'm talking about the power of community. The power of community is that even if a person messes up in the church, even if a person does something that is so wrong and awful, in the church. Amen. Let me tell you, we ought to be the first to line up. And when mercy is, 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 is reached for, we ought to be the first to line up and give it. Yes, and we have. We've watched it. I've seen it in this building. Amen. I've seen it in our church. Thank God I love my church. I love my church. We got people that have messed up and have brought, come back to the Lord. And now God is using them and turning their life around. It would not have happened if it hadn't been for community. It would not have happened if it hadn't been for community. Let me just tell you this. Unless you're committed to save somebody, don't judge them. Unless you're committed to help restoring them, don't judge them. 
zip it. You see, biblical judgment is not rooted in condemnation or revenge. But biblical judgment is rooted to help them get to the cross, to help them get to mercy. I love you. How many of you would stand in front of your family member if they were headed down a road that there is a bridge out? And you know it. You would stand and wave and you would stand in front of that. What is it? Uh, you're judging the situation. But you're adding mercy to it to say, don't go down that road. Oh, you're just judging me. You're just judging me. because No, I'm telling you, I know where you're headed. I see what you're doing. I want mercy in your life. And one day you're going to need mercy. One day you're going to need grace. Amen. I believe in this doctrine. I believe in this truth. I believe in the fact that we are community. Okay. I'm going to preach to another church because this does not pertain to you. It's just for those watching online. <laughs> How to deal with difficult people. Okay, y'all can just sit here and, and you don't have to take notes or nothing. Here's that moat. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Some people, y'all, are just plain crazy. You know, every family's got a crazy one. And if there's no crazy one in your family, it might be you. Uh, there's some folks that just not peacemakers. They're chaos creators. They, they, again, I'm not talking to you, you know, y'all say amen all day long because we're preaching to somebody online tonight. <laughs> you ever been around those demanding dictators? Got a Sherman take mentality and personality, runs over everything. Anything that stands in their way, they just mow it down. I'm right, you're wrong. It's hard to relate to a tank when it's coming across you. So, you know, you deal with tanks. How many remember the story, or the, the, the picture, rather, of Tiananmen Square and the one man that stood in front of the tank? Lord, do I really, should I really go down this road? This is, yes. How do you deal with, there's, there's, one way is just stand up to them. And I'm going to get into some more different uh tactics here just a little bit but you you have those that are the demanding dictators you got those that are the nitpickers nitpickers highly critical nothing's ever good enough to meet their expectations but they pout when they don't get their way again nobody here constantly finding fault nothing meets their standards so complain 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 how do you deal with the mega mouths? They talk you into surrender. <laughs> you just give up in self-defense. 
They dominate the conversation. They have to share their intelligence and then some because they know. How about the, and these, these are those that I made up. I made these up, okay? I didn't get it off of Google. I made these up, okay? Volatile volcanoes. They erupt when things don't go their way. There's always a threat of explosion, so you walk around with eggshells, like being on eggshells. Anger, hostility, unpredictable, time bombs. Super softies, crybabies that are easily offended, chronic discontent. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the old, old, old commercial. Those of you that are past 40 will remember this. Don't squeeze the Charmin. What kind of world do you have to live in that you're offended because somebody squeezed the toilet paper? <laughs> right now, we have them as snowflakes. We have them as all kinds of different things, but you got to deal with those kinds of folks. How about the airheads, the arrogant airheads? These are the people that live in their own worlds, walking to the beat of their own drum. They don't respond to normal motivational tech te techniques they tend to be extremely frustrated to work with it kind of narcissistic they live in a world where they they are the only ones on the planet it's their planet and they live there and they're the only ones they can't be bothered with working with the team concept they're usually brilliant people but they don't like to play with others so many okay Let's go to how do we deal with difficult people? Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 42 gives us a blueprint. You have heard that it had been said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. That's crazy. Just thinking that. And, and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain, give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee. I want, I want to show you about six or seven ways that you can deal with difficult people. Number one is choose, or, or, or choose to refuse to be offended. It, offense is a choice. Choose to refuse to be offended. They're revealing what's in them, not you. They're showing their problem and personality, not yours. Here's what the wisdom writer says about this particular situation. Proverbs 12 and 16, a fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. What is it saying? He ignores offense. The NIV says a fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. Don't be quick to be offended. You want to know how to deal with these crazy lunatics in the world today? That, that you know, again, this is for those folks online. It, it, the way to deal with them is it's like the writer of Proverbs said in 10 and 12. Hatred stirreth up strifes, 
but love covereth all sins. You know how you deal with that person that posts on your page something so horrible and terrible is that ignore it. Let it go. That's the next one. First, choose not to be offended. Number two, let it go quickly. Remember, you're dealing with a super difficult person that makes things crazy. And chances are they'll never apologize to you for what they said. And so the best thing you can do is release your resentment. Don't wait for an apology. It ain't coming. Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do and they parted his raiments and cast lots. That is how you get rid of it quickly. In Colossians 3 and 13, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. How did he do it? He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Amen. You have to be willing to let it go quickly. Don't hold on to it. Number three, refuse to retaliate. One way we often retaliate is through gossip. You know what gossip does? Gossip brings people into a situation that they don't have any part of it. So we want to make them a part of it. We want to share the pain. And so gossip begins to form a bring them in so we can retaliate for what somebody has done to us. And so gossip comes in and then all of a sudden we got to tell everybody about how and what and when refuse to retaliate. Refuse. Amen. They're just difficult people. It just might be that your mercy and grace will help win them. Proverbs 17 and 9, he that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter scattereth very friends. I had rather say instead of worry about retaliating, worry about their soul. Worry about their soul. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 8 says, finally, be ye all of one mind. Somebody say, be in harmony. Have compassion. Be being sympathetic one of another, love as brethren, amen. Be pitiful or be tenderhearted, be courteous, be friendly and respectful, not rendering evil for evil. Do we still believe that's in the book? Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrary wise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called. Our world is addicted to outrage. Everybody's mad and angry. We need a world, amen, that has, has a different culture. And that is the church of the living God that learns how to live an example in community, walking in harmony. Somebody say amen. Don't render evil for evil. Don't pay back. Amen. Don't pay back. Let's learn to bless. Let's learn to bless. Let's learn to bless. Hallelujah. I think another way that you can deal with difficult people is don't play their game. Number four, don't play their game. Reject any temptation to be sucked into their It's a game to some folks. Always stirring up mess. I'm taking my ball and glove and going home. I'm not playing that game. Difficult people love to debate. They love to argue. They love to have chaos. And you can't reason with them. You can't talk to them. They don't want to see. They'll never see it. So just, just remember, 
It ain't going to happen. Boy, there's a lot I could say here, but my spirit says, be quiet, Gil. Matthew chapter 22, verse 15, so I'll read the word. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. They went and entrapped the Lord, and they sent unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of man. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me? Ye hypocrites, show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. Amen. You know, there's some that want to trap you and put you in the place. In a side note in this story, when Jesus asked them that, what, what did he say when they brought the coin? Whose image is on the coin? That's what he asked them. Whose image is on the coin? And they said, Caesar. But if he, he could very well have continued that when he said, render unto God, and could have looked at them and said, who is your image? Who are you in the image of? Amen. Man, that's a powerful understanding. I am in the image of God. He could flat handle those that were a bunch of retaliators, haters, and abusers, and difficult people. Paul put it like this to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Man, that's a, that's a tough, tough thing to consider that somebody handled the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Thomas Paine said, to argue with a man who has renounced the use and the authority of reason and whose philosophy consists in holding humanity in contempt is like administering medicine to the dead. Let me say that again. To argue with a man who has renounced the use of authority of, re of reason whose philosophy consists in holding humanity in contempt is like address administering medicine to the dead. Proverbs tells us like this, 26 and 21, as coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Number five, refuse to be a doormat. This is one that I think that we need to be very aware of, that it's good to draw lines with difficult people. Don't allow them to manipulate your life or your time. Some think that Christians, that our only option is to lay down and be a doormat. There's a big difference between forgiving someone and trusting someone. Forgiveness can be instant. Trust is, is earned. Amen. Uh, Romans 14 and 16, Paul said, let then your good, let, let not then your good be evil spoken of. Don't allow what you consider to be good to be evil spoken of. Withdraw yourself. Amen. You can be humble and, and stand for yourself. I said you can be humble and stand for yourself. At the last, uh, number six is always do the right thing. I'm going to give you these scriptures and, and you can look them up. Romans 12, 9 through 21. Always do the right thing. Always do the right thing. How about always do the right thing? Not just when you're trying to get out of something. 
do the right thing. Look up 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 15. Colossians 4 and 6 says, Colossians 4 and 6 says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to be to answer every man. God give us wisdom. The last thing I want to share with you about dealing with difficult people is perhaps one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. John chapter 1 and verse 19. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed. Say the last lines with me. I am not the Christ. Say it again. I am not the Christ. You're not people's savior, Jesus is. There are some folks you cannot save. There are some folks you could never build a harmonious relationship. And while we can do our best to make things right, amen, we can do our best to, to bring about restitution. There are some things that we've got to put in the hands of the Lord and only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can bring healing to it. Only Jesus can help you get along with that particular relationship. When you're in community, you have to... How many know that in your family, home, extended, beyond, that you put up with a lot of stuff that you probably wouldn't put up with somebody you weren't related to? I'm, I'm preaching. I'm preaching. To, I'm back now at home. Okay. We're off the internet. We're back home. You deal with people... Why? Because you're in relationship and it's important that you get along even when things are tough. So even in a church, there are some times that you, 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 you're trying to get along and, and, and you realize I'm in community and it's more important for me to be in, have the unity of Christ in the church than it is for me to have my way. It's more important that the body of Christ be community than it is for me to have my, my, my needs, you know, patted on the back and everybody look at me. All right. Praise God. Y'all love pastor. You, you said you did last week. <laughs> Hallelujah. Stand with me, please. It's wonderful to be in community. <laughs> It's wonderful to be able to get along. You know, the Apostle Paul, a lot of people say the Apostle Paul was probably a very difficult person to get along with. And looking at the book of Acts, so much so that at one time he said, I don't want Mark around me. Tell Mark to leave. He's not, he's not helping me. I don't want him here. I mean, it's not like, well, we'll work him out. We'll, 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 we'll invest in him and we'll help him. No, it, he's not going. But then later on he says, bring him. Bring him. Bring him. Aren't you glad that God can help us change? Bring him. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the community of the church. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being able to walk in harmony. Lord, I praise you today, God, for what you do. 
Lord, in the church. Help us to be biblical. Help us to be biblical when it comes to judging situations and judging others. Number one, to Lord Jesus, ask that you search our heart. Oh, search our heart, oh God. Search our minds, oh Lord. Cleanse us that we may help others. Help us, Lord Jesus, deal with the big old beam in our eye that we may help our brother get the, the mode out of theirs. And we're going to give you praise, the Lord Jesus, because you are the healer, you are the savior, and we stand here today needing mercy. We stand here today needing grace. Oh Lord, we thank you God for your goodness in Jesus mighty name. Let everybody say amen. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Saturday.